Hi, I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you for listening to this podcast. There are many more podcasts available at MyFaithRadio.com. Your support makes this possible. Thank you. And a warm welcome to the afternoon show. I'm Bill Arnold. I'm so glad to have across the way Dr. Andy Skettinga, who just returned from dropping his son off at college. Did you cry? A couple times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I did. More emotional than you thought, wasn't it? It was about honestly, it was about what I what I thought. Okay. It was it's truly uh, my wife Beth and I were talking about this. It's it's such a strange feeling. Because on one hand you're you're proud and you're happy and excited, on the other hand you're you're sad. I mean you're grieving, right? Because you're losing someone, not permanently. Um, but it's it's I don't even want to say bittersweet because it's not bitter. It's more like I don't I don't even I can't think of a better word for bitter. It's a sweet moment. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it really is. Um, it's it's pretty cool, and it's neat to see other parents who are there going through the same things you are. So it kind of normalizes the fact that everyone's kind of sad. Their kids are leaving, but, but it's also exciting. And I tend to be a, you know, I'm a pretty pragmatic person. I think of it as this is a new step for him Mm -hmm. and it's a new step for us. We can focus a little more on the other son that we have at home, which is great. Um, And it's great for our son to move on and, you know, enjoy a different part and chapter of his life. So that's a, that's a pretty cool thing. Yeah. No kidding. Now you just had a little, moment in the grocery store where you felt a little blindsided and it does say life go, <laughs> life, go, life goes fast doesn't it yeah I it mean, does because your son's now off to college and you just had this little episode you were sharing with me before the show started about seeing applesauce yeah in the grocery store yeah it was the craziest thing um and, and anybody who's listening who sent a kid out to college will probably be like oh yeah and if you <laughs> haven't sent one off to college it's coming trust me um we ran into parents who would talk about these things too. And yeah, I saw the applesauce, you know, the applesauce cups that he took in his lunch for, you know, like 15 years or yeah. whatever. I, I can't believe he never got tired of applesauce. I think it's kind of gross, but, um, he, I, I'm looking at him like, I need to get some, Oh no, you I don't, don't have to buy that anymore. I don't get yeah. to buy applesauce anymore. And it just hit me like, where's, where are these emotions coming from? And then I was like, well, of course I know where they're coming from. I'm sad. Yeah. Um, but then I thought he has a severe tree nut and peanut allergy. And in the next aisle is like all the peanuts and tree nut stuff. Mm-hmm. And we loaded up on that. Okay. And he knows. Okay. So. Yeah. Well, our topic today, Dr. Andy Scuddinga is my guest. He's a psychology professor at North Central University here in the Twin Cities. And my question I wanted to pose to him, I've got a couple of questions. I always love when I have him in here, because I can give him lots of things, and he responds to nearly all of them. <laughs> and <laughs> my, my all, first yeah. question, Andy, is trust or respect earned? Or do we give respect and trust unconditionally? That's always such an interesting question, because so many people are, are like, oh, you have to earn my respect, right? Or you give and you get respect. And I tend to think... The best thing to do is always, initially at least, treat everybody and view everybody with an equal level of respect. I think that's just what we're called to do as believers and as 
I think most humans would just agree that you treat people and you accept people with a certain level of respect. And then it's a kind of upon them to continue to earn more or kind of earn less respect from you based on how your relationship goes or how they act or how they behave, you know, that sort of thing. Um, but I don't, you know, trust is a different thing. Trust is very different than respect. I, I think agree. you can trust someone to do to follow through or you can trust they're telling you the truth, but you may not have a great deal of respect for them. I think I tend to have a greater deal of respect for people who are honest and forthright and follow through on what they say than those who don't. Um, but I, I don't know that trust and respect are always, you know, hand in hand with one another. One of the uh, guests I had on the show, Dr. Heather Holloman, she wrote a book on conversations and she said this and, I'm going to try to ask you, Andy, where this fits in to this conversation mm-hmm. we're having right now. But she said, be curious, believe the best, express concern, and share your life. And I thought, believe the best. Is that the same as trust? No. Because if you're going to believe the best, I would say you are extending trust to somebody that sure. may not be worthy of it yet. Right. It's my wife likes to say, trust. And verify, Mm -hmm. which is not only her thing. Obviously, lots of people say that sort of stuff. But um, yeah, that that's a really interesting one. I you know assume the best. What was the it? You didn't. You said it. Not assume the best, but Uh, um, believe the best. Believe the best. Yeah, and that's a hard thing to do. I think it is. I I think it's very hard. Um, Particularly, you know, I I don't always believe the best in people who are you know who might be bothering me or. You know, I don't believe the best when somebody cuts you off in traffic. I'm, and my first thought is, that, oh, they're probably in an emergency situation. You know, mm-hmm. that might be believing the best, right? Um, I think that's that's pretty hard to do. And if you're a person like me who tends to be sometimes more critical than I should, particularly of strangers, that's harder to that's harder to live by. Um, but when you're engaging in a conversation, let's say with somebody new, there's no reason you wouldn't believe the best right away. You would want to. Yeah, you would want to. And you should give them some level of trust until they prove they're untrustworthy. Mm -hmm. I tend to be a a fairly trustworthy person. I tend to believe that people are generally on the up and up when they're talking to me Mm -hmm. or telling me stuff. But I've been burned a few times in the past where I'm probably too trusting or I assume and I don't verify and then I trust someone is taking care of something or doing something and then you get burned. So there's... I think we have to be careful not to just jump in two feet to the pond and trust that it's deep enough to hold us. We mm-hmm. we should probably be a little bit more cautious, particularly in relationships, whether we trust someone or not. We can enter a relationship respectfully and respecting them and trusting them to a certain degree, but not so much that we're willing to you know give them our social security number and checkbook mm-hmm. and say, I trust you with this. Yeah. I don't think we should do that. No, I don't, I don't think so. I think this is a package, Andy, that trust and respect – and loyalty is kind of a package of three. Yeah. And that if you betray one of those, yeah. I think you've possibly lost all of them. I mean, loyalty, yeah. you demonstrate loyalty, right? Yeah. You, you show somebody over a course of time that you are predictable, loyal, and that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Uh, and that ties into trust. It ties into respect. But if one of those, if betrayal happens in one of those areas, I think you you sacrifice a lot. Oh, absolutely. I don't think those are those are continuum type of items. 
right? You might have somebody, you might have a friend who you trust, respect, and um, what was the third one? Trust, respect. Loyalty. And loyalty. Yep. Maybe they're nine on all of those things. Okay. And, you know, they're a, they're a really good work friend, right? And then you've, you've known them for a while, you've worked with them, and they absolutely betray you because they tell the boss, it wasn't me, it was her. Mm-hmm. She did it. This was her decision, not mine. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, your your trust for them is going to be reduced. Your respect might be reduced at a much greater level. You might still trust them to some degree, but all of those continuums are going to move the needle to the left, you know, toward zero for sure. But each mm-hmm. one of them might be at a at a different level. I think you're, I think you're exactly right. I think it is a package. I think it is too. And I wonder if trust is granted. And or earned. I'm, I'm curious because this would be a, a sensitive mm. subject for people tuning in who possibly uh, granted somebody trust, yeah. and then it was betrayed. Sure. I would yeah. love for anyone who feels vulnerable or willing to say, uh, "Yeah, I I granted someone trust. They didn't earn the trust. They should have earned it. I didn't. I granted it to them, and then all of a sudden I got stung." Yeah. I'd be curious, 877-933-2484. I'm talking to Dr. Andy Scuddinga today. We're, we're going to have a couple of topics we're going to talk today, but we're going to find out if trust is is earned uh, and unconditionally given, or do you grant it, or how has it worked in your life? And is is trust better than respect? Ooh. I'm asking a, the tough questions today. Andy. Yeah. that's a Is trust better than respect? I would rather be respected than trusted. Okay. And can a relationship last without trust and respect? No. I, I don't believe it can either. Not not an intimate relationship. And 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 again, intimacy doesn't mean physical intimacy. Right. You know, we're talking about just intimacy between deep friends yeah. or a married couple or boyfriend and girlfriend or two, you know, two best friends. I think yeah, you can't, I don't think you can have one without the other in an intimate relationship, but you can in a more loose friendship or like an acquaintanceship. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like you can, you can have respect for a friend, but not entirely trust them. There are people that I would deliberately keep at arm's length in my life. Not really any right now. So any of my friends who are listening, I'm not talking about you, <laughs> but I've had people, we've had people, we've had couples like that in our life together, my wife and I, where you realize, you know, we like you, you're fun to be around, but we don't trust you. And so we have less respect for you, and therefore we have less loyalty, and we want to keep you at a safe distance. Like, we're not going to tell you anything that's super meaningful about ourselves. We're not going to share with you certain parts of our life or things that we do that we don't trust you with. Mm-hmm. And I think that shapes our, our relationships and friendships in a pretty profound way. Mm-hmm. We're going to take a break. we come back lots more with Dr. Andy Scuddinga. We've got a couple of topics that I wanted to talk to Andy about today. He is a psychology professor at the uh, University of North Central right here in the Twin Cities. And uh, so we're going we're gonna to continue this discussion. If you've had a trust that you gave, did they earn it or did you just grant it? I'm curious. Did you grant them trust or did they earn it and did they still are they still good with you or did they somehow betray i'm curious 877-933-2484 again 877-933-2484 be right back
Thanks for listening to Afternoons with Bill Arnold. I'm Carmen LaBerge. If you enjoy what you're listening to here, consider subscribing to other great Faith Radio podcasts like mine. Search Mornings with Carmen LaBerge at MyFaithRadio.com or wherever you listen to podcasts and hit subscribe. I'm back with Dr. Andy Scudniga. We're chatting about a couple of things today. We're talking about trust and respect. Is that earned or do you just give it unconditionally? Kind of a tricky question. We're dealing with that right now. But if you don't have trust in relationships, Andy, I'm guessing there's not going to be a safe harbor in that relationship. There's not going to be reliability. No, no I, don't, I don't think so. Um, that's So we were kind of alluding to this earlier. I think there's, again, it's a lot of life is on a continuum, right? And you've, you'd establish a baseline, like I'll give everybody a five on trust. If I meet you for the first time today, I'll give you a five on trust and a seven on respect, mm-hmm. right? Like I, I don't know you well enough to say, oh, you're a 10 for respect. Mm-hmm. Like I really admire you because respect is admiration. I agree. That's one of the definitions. I had to look up the definition of like, I was thinking earlier today, Respect is kind of a funny thing. We talk about it in a lot of different ways. So anyway, this the primary definition is admiration for something. So it's hard to have great admiration for somebody you haven't met. And it's hard to trust them very far when you haven't met them. But there has to be a baseline. And then I think you're right. It's trust is earned, I think, in a different way than respect is. Because you can have great admiration for somebody who you don't know very well, but you might not be able to trust them very much because you don't have a great depth of relationship, but you could still have high admiration and respect for them. Mm-hmm. I think, I don't think you can have high trust for someone and have low respect for them. So maybe those aren't equally weighted with one another. Mm-hmm. So if you regularly show someone that you're there for them in good times and in bad times, I bet you're building trust. Oh, sure. Do you show up? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you... Say, I think a big piece of it for trust, for me, maybe, maybe it's just me, but I think it's for most people, is do you do what you say? Can I trust you? If you yeah, say, that's a big one. I will do this. Yes. And whatever it is, whether it's filling a report or picking your sister up from the airport or, you know, taking care of the mail for a week when you're gone on vacation, will you do it? Mm-hmm. Yes, I'll do it. Oh, by the way, sorry, I for, I forgot. Right. And so like as a parent of kids, you know that you can't trust them very much when they're four, but you hope you give, you give them tasks and different things with more and more trust attached to it. And they build up a significant amount of trust. And then all it takes is one action to to take that away. Right. They do something that betrays your trust. And I think a lot of parents have to deal with this, right? You, you Mm -hmm. give your kids freedom with, you know, the computer or with a car and you say, okay, I trust you. And then they do something that breaks the rules mm-hmm. and that trust meter goes way down and all of a sudden you're checking on itself. But I could still have a great deal of respect and admiration for that person. I don't know. These are, they're tied to one another, they but are. is there a clear formula for how they're tied? I think it all depends on the individual. Yeah. Just got a text. I trusted because they were Christians and people who were Bible study teachers and disciplers. So oh, no. That carried a lot of weight yeah. with this person that said, you know what? I, I guess I trusted them because of their position. Yeah. And hopefully they, they, they stood the test of time. Oh, there's not a sad ending to this. No, no, no. Oh, good. No, there's not I a sad ending. I was like, ending. but. 
Yeah, they this, you know ruined my life or whatever. No, no, no. I, so I think I think this person granted them trust. That's amazing, and, I and think that's, that's great. great. I think it's great. Yeah, yeah. What happens when you no longer trust someone? You change your relationship with them. Okay, you have to because. You can't have your trust broken and then immediately and blindly say, well, that was terrible, but now I will trust you to the same level I did before. I don't think it's within our human nature to be able to move that quickly past something, especially if it's something really hurtful or egregious. You know, if it's something mild, like, you know, I can't even think of an example. I trust you to something very small and you've, mm-hmm. you've, you've failed. Okay, that's... Maybe you just had a bad day. Maybe it was a small mistake. But if it's a big thing and somebody lets you down, it's going to be challenging to trust them again. They're going to have to earn that back. And then how do you do that, right? Well, the trust giver will have to give them opportunity to earn trust back again. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's where it's a two-way street. It really is because you might process things in a very different way than the person that you're having an issue with. Totally. You might say, you know what? I don't need to make things right right now. I need a couple of days to think about this. Yeah, I and, think that's and, very and fair. To, and to just go through, I, I need to have a little bit of time. And if you don't grant me that, that could be a problem too. Right. Because then there has to be an avenue provided to get that trust back. Respect, I don't know. That's that's kind of different to me. Um I'm trying to think of a good example of someone who's lost my respect recently. I wouldn't name them, obviously, but, um, you know, sometimes famous people will do things you think, this is, you know, seems like a pretty good person, mm-hmm. pretty, you know, like a star athlete or a musician, and they've largely lived their lives to a, to a pretty decent standard. And then suddenly you find out, oh, you said those things, or they did that, or they treated someone that poorly, your respect meter goes down for them, even if you've never met them. I think respect is a, that's an interesting thing. There are people who I admire um, for what they've accomplished, but I don't necessarily respect them as people. But you can also admire people and have, yeah, it's a tricky, it's kind of a conundrum. It is tricky, it? yeah. So it's trickier than I thought when you brought this up earlier. I know. So why is trust so hard to gain back? If, if the loss of trust is over a, a moral issue, yeah. that that takes some time to be restored if you can. Now, Jesus says, I will, you know, First John 1, 9, if you confess your sins to God, he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and yeah. cleanse you of all unrighteousness. Yeah. So positionally, we are in a perfect place with our heavenly father, but we may be in, in, in a bad place with our, our relationships here on earth. Yeah, because there's hurt involved. And I think that's the biggest I think that's the biggest issue with situations like this with broken trust. It's painful. It hurts. And you, nobody wants to get hurt the same way again. You know, it's like if you jump off the monkey bars when you're a kid and you sprain your ankle, you're not going to go back to the next recess and do the, uh, the same thing to your other ankle, right? You want to avoid doing a painful thing again. And if you've trusted somebody, particularly, you know, somebody really close to you, somebody who you had a good, trustful, intimate relationship with and they hurt you by betraying you or breaking your trust. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's very natural. And actually, I think there's some wisdom in not immediately going back and saying, oh, I completely trust you again. That that has to be earned like we talked about. And, And that can be a really tough thing. And if it's a deep hurt from someone you loved or cared deeply for, I think those are much harder to recover from than somebody at work who failed you 
but you know, is going to still be employed there with a loving relationship. I think that's a lot harder. All right. There's more to the story of the first uh, person that text, texted in. I trusted because mm-hmm. they were Christians and people who were Bible study teachers and disciples. They betrayed me by sharing something I shared that was painful in a teaching and they, and it stunned me. So oh. I, I don't respect them. That no, it took a uh, liberty to, to share something that was not shareable. That's such an awful feeling. Yeah, it's terrible. It it really is. And the danger there is for someone to assume that all Christian Bible study leaders can't be trusted, mm-hmm. and all clergy or youth group or faith leaders can't be trusted because of that one incident. And I'm not implying that that's what the the listener is saying. Yeah. But there are a lot of people who have had that happen to them. Um, a number of years ago, my my wife and I, before we had kids, we were part of a church, uh, a new church startup. Um, it was growing rapidly. There were people who were giving their lives to Christ every week. It was a cool, cool situation to be in. It was a great church. Um, it was in Ames, Iowa. It was a college town. So we had a lot of college students coming. Our numbers were growing. I mean, it was just a really good situation. Um in a nutshell, our our pastor, who had literally everything going for him um, in many different ways, just seemed to have everything in life right, had a significant moral failing. Mm-hmm. Um, and the details aren't important, but it was a it was a significant moral failing that needed him to not be a pastor for a while. And it was incredibly difficult because you had a bunch of people who were new believers, who were very hurt by this betrayal. But they weren't upset with the pastor. Hmm. They were upset with the church because they felt like we were betraying the pastor by not allowing him to come back to work the next week. Oh. Because they thought, well, if Jesus can forgive his sins, then we have to as well. And if you say he's suspended, what kind of Christians are you? Interesting. And so there was... We had some really hard and deep conversations with new believers, some of whom just flat out left the church. They're like, well, if this is how it's going to go, we're done. Mm-hmm. And, you know, some ex- we had explained, well, there's, there's also trust broken. Yeah. And when a pastor fails your church in that regard, you, there's significant trust broken. And so it was, it was a very formative situation for, for many believers at that time. And I think that's where people get burned at churches. They say, I had a terrible thing happen. Yeah. They don't want to go back because there's no trust. Andy, when trust is broken, will it ever be the same? I think it certainly can. Okay. Um, I've seen couples who have had, um, who have dealt with infidelity, mm-hmm. who it takes a while, but they rebuild that trust. Okay. And they have happy marriages. And and I believe that they are being truthful about that. Because it's nice. easy to say, well, we fixed everything and everything's good, and, yeah. but at home it's it's not. No. I think you certainly can get back to the same level of trust. Mm-hmm. Have you had a trust situation where you were, you had granted trust, you gave it unconditionally, and it just backfired? And you're willing to share what happened in a brief text, 877-933-2484. Dr. Andy Scuddinga is my guest, professor of psychology at North Central University. We'll be right back. It's the Afternoon Show with Bill Arnold. 
let's get it started. Jump in your car. What's for dinner? It's the afternoon show with Bill Arno. I'm back with Dr. Andy Scudinga. We're talking about is trust or respect earned? Or, or do we just give respect and trust unconditionally? We've been kicking this one around. This has been interesting, Andy. Yeah. I, th- you know, it's a tricky, uh, it's a tricky topic. Let's just admit to that. I admit it. Good, good. So we're in agreement on that. I, <laughs> it's always, I, I try to tell students, it's okay to admit what you don't know. That's a really, that's yeah. a sign of wisdom. And I don't know. There's a lot of gray area in in trust and respect. And the way that we throw those words around sometimes is probably a little looser than we should as mm-hmm. a society. Maybe we throw, you know, like, you're you're not respecting me or you're disrespecting me. Well, no, I just don't like you. Those are different things. I think you can dislike someone and respect them. I think you can too. I mean, I don't particularly, there's, there's some, you know, there's like some, there's lots of famous athletes where I don't particularly like them. But I have a lot of respect for them mm-hmm. because they are talented and they have incredible drive and focus. Those are things that I don't always have. I don't know how I have the greatest amount of focus. So I respect that. I admire that. But I don't necessarily like how they go about applying it in their lives. I'm mm-hmm. sure people could look at me and say the same thing. I don't yeah. like how Scudding does that, but that's okay. Yeah. Let's talk about consistency. Seems to me that mm. is a pretty significant factor in trust. And if you're consistent... You're going to earn trust. Yeah, that's a great point. It really is. And you can be consistently bad, and we can trust that you're going to be bad at it. It doesn't mm-hmm. have to be positive. You know, you can if you're if you're consistently late. I don't respect that, but at least you're predictable, mm-hmm. and I can trust that you're probably going to be late again. Not you, Bill. I doubt you're ever late for anything, but some people are. Well, I host a radio show. I can't be late. No. Yeah. And can can trust be regained <laughs> after it's broken? And that's another question that I want to move on. Yeah, it um, it's hard, and it depends. I think so much of it depends on the trust giver, and I wonder if it's more important for the trust giver to allow for that than it is for the trust earner to earn it back. Because if you've done something a hundred times, and one time you make a mistake, is your trust ruined forever, or is it temporarily set back? That depends on the person who's trusting. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. If, if you're late, if you're on time for 100 meetings in a row and then you're 15 minutes late for one and your boss says, I can't believe you let me down like that. I have zero trust for you now. Well, wow. Okay. I, what about the 100 other times that I was here <laughs> early or before everybody else? Your, your trust is ruined for one thing. So part of it, it it's, does. It's it a can, little bit of a give and take. You can lose it quickly. Yeah. I mean, your reputation can be gone in a heartbeat. Oh, yeah. Like the pastor we were talking about. Right. So highly thought of within the denomination even. You know, he was kind of had a name for himself in the Midwest. And it was gone It was gone in a, in a snap. And it really wasn't a snap. It was actually a series of really bad events that he got caught for. And so you can... You can allow someone to completely lose your trust. You can have some level of trust for them. You can have zero respect for them and slowly build it back. A lot of it depends on the person who's giving it than the person who's kind of receiving it, I suppose. Mm-hmm. All right, Andy, you know, I'd like to try it is shift our focus to a mindset um, and mindfulness because yeah. there's something about being present which to me 
speaks of mindfulness. Yes. Where you are living, you are, you are realizing life as you're living it. Yes. Does that make sense? It, it, that is exactly what mindfulness is. Okay. Sometimes you can only enjoy life in the rearview mirror. You look back and you go, oh, wait a minute. That was fun. Yeah. Like you didn't know it at the time. <laughs> or or yeah. just now you've taken your son to college and you're, you're, you're so mindful Yes. Of little things like, oh, I'm not buying applesauce anymore because right. he's not right. taking in, in his lunch. Yeah. Um, so there's there's realizing that you're you are living life and 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 understanding it in the moment. Yes, that's exactly what mindfulness okay. is. Okay. Because a lot of people get into trouble emotionally and probably spiritually when they spend a lot of time, too much time focusing on what's happened. Or what they're worried about is going to happen. And the whole mindfulness movement is based on the idea that you are happier when you're fully engaged in what you're doing at the moment. Mm -hmm. And nobody involved in mindfulness will be like, never look back. (laughs) Don't stare too far ahead, right? Mm -hmm. Just be in the moment. Well, that's not what they're saying. But they are saying is people who are generally happier and, and are more emotionally stable tend to be more present focused and tend to be more aware of their current circumstances and what they're doing at the moment because you can be you know let's say you're sitting at your desk and you're trying to get some work done and you're just kind of looking out the window Mm -hmm. and you're thinking about dropping your son off at college and 20 minutes later you're feeling kind of crummy because a you haven't done anything useful for 20 minutes and b all you've been doing is ruminating over the fact that my son has moved away and now I'm sad about it. And there's nothing wrong with being sad about that. And actually, people who do mindfulness training will tell you, you know, be aware of that. And it's okay to have that feeling. But And you don't have to make it go away. You can literally not enjoy the fact, but be mindful, be aware of the fact that you're feeling sad. Mm-hmm. And embrace it and say, okay, I, I do feel sad. I wish he was here. But you know what? If he was here, he might be sad because he's not at college. He's not mm-hmm. doing something that he wants to do. And now I've got to think, okay, I need to put that aside and I need to get back to work. I need to focus on, on what I'm doing. And so in, when you're in that moment and you're able to say, yes, I realize that I'm sad and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. I love my son and I, and I wish I could see him more often. It's a bummer, mm-hmm. right? But on the other hand, I know that he's happy and, and I know that he's engaged and enjoying himself and he's where God wants him to be. He's fulfilling his mm-hmm. current calling. So I can look at that and say, you know what? That's okay. That's good. Now I'm going to get back to work and I'm going to focus on, on what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And that's what mindfulness is about. And so that's one application for it, but you can apply it to, you know, anything and whatever you're doing. Well, you, you're practicing the presence of God yeah, in a m- more meaningful way. I think when you are trying to be more mindful, Yeah, let's just break it down to something as simple as dinner tonight, where the meal is prepared, yeah. you're sitting down and you're taking time to enjoy the smell. Yes. And the way the food was presented and the texture. And you, you're, you're just enjoying the moment versus just mindlessly eating it. Right. And you're, you're paying certain levels of attention to the pr- person who prepared it. And you're maybe fussing a little bit as, <laughs> as how lovely and good. Yeah. And what a beautiful meal. Yeah. And there's, you're almost practicing the presence of gratitude and thankfulness and don't you feel and sense god in those moments absolutely okay yeah and that's 
mindfulness is is meditation, but it's not the deep always the deep meditation where you're like um, and you're no, I'm sitting not cross leg on the floor. You know, you're not like with some yogi on a mountaintop. No. Mindfulness is is definitely about feeling what you're doing in that moment, and a lot of times it does lead to feelings of gratefulness and gratitude. And you know, there's a whole therapy model behind mindfulness. Um, it's like mindfulness based cognitive behavioral therapy. So it's got this long acronym, but it's great stuff because it helps people, particularly those who are anxious or who are depressed get back into focus with what's what's really happening with them right now. And a lot of therapists will have them focus on gratitude and gratefulness and the good things that you have going on in life while also saying, yeah, I've got some junk going on, but at the same time, I have much more to be happy and grateful about, and I'm going to focus on those things. And one of the practices that actually is recommended is enjoying meals differently. Is that right? Yeah. I got lucky. Yeah. yeah. You nailed it. You know, because I've been at meals where you're just shoveling food in because you're hungry and you yeah. realize, I didn't really even taste that. But <laughs> I'm sure it was good, but, yeah. you know, but then there's other times where you just kind of savor the bite and that is mindfulness. Yeah. Now, if, you're a, come from? if you're a type A person, you might be thinking about what's next. Yeah. And yes. I've got to do this, then I got to do that, and I got to do this. And Absolutely. all of a sudden, you're doing a lot of this is and that's, and you didn't really enjoy the moment. Right. Which I think as you get older, you start to realize time is the commodity. Oh, yes, it it's is. It's the commodity. It's the one thing in the world that you can never replace. Yeah. You cannot get back time. You can earn more money. You can buy more food. You can replace most things in life, but you can't replace time. And so, okay, going back to the college kid example, you send your kid off to college and you can, you can it's really easy to do this. I should have spent more time doing X, Y, or Z. I wish I would have done these things. Or in, um, you know, a different kind of relationship. If I'm at work, I wish I would have done this. I should have done this. I could have done this. That's not very mindful. And it's okay to look back sometimes, obviously. And it's okay to look forward sometimes. Um, But when it becomes detrimental and that's what the only thing you're focusing on is what you're missing, you're going to be unhappy. And Mm -hmm. that's, that's just how it works. And... You know, for those who are living in the past, if, if you're listening and you are saying, well, that's kind of what I do. I find myself thinking about how good it used to be or what I wish I would have done. Mm-hmm. Here's a way to, to relax that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Ground yourself in the moment. Sit down. Relax. Take some deep breaths and just think about where you're at. Not just physically, but where you're at mentally, where you're yeah. at spiritually. And that's a time when you can connect with God by saying, okay, God. Here I am. I'm feeling anxious. I don't want to anymore. Mm-hmm. Help me be calm. And you can help yourself do that by taking deep breaths and focusing on the thing that you want to focus on, which might be, you know, feeling closer to God, which you know might be feeling more grateful, might be feeling calm in an anxiety storm in your life. These are simple tricks that are easy to do, and the more you practice them, the easier it becomes. Mm-hmm. All right, Dr. Andy Scudding, let's talk about mindset. I'm looking up the definition, and it says the established set of attitudes held by someone. Yeah. A, a habitual or characteristic mental attitude that determines how you will interpret and respond to situations. Yeah. That's, that's a, mm-hmm. I like that definition. And it's something that, honestly, I think anyone can sit down and say, what kind of mindset do I want to have? And you can write it out. I want to be happy. I want to be grateful. I want to be fun. 
I want to be serious. I want to be, you know, whatever it is, everyone can define their own sort of mindset. Um, but I would recommend that if you do that, you think about something that you can also kind of work towards. You know, if, if I want my mindset to be one of more gratefulness, then mm-hmm. I need to make time and effort to think of things I'm grateful for. And then you make that a regular practice, and that becomes your mindset after a while. Mm-hmm. Or if you're an angry person and you you have a quick temper and you're it's very easy to make you upset, it's it might be worthwhile to think about how do I want to how do I want that to be different? I don't want to be so quick to anger. Okay, well, develop a mindset around being more forgiving mm-hmm. or more understanding. What are you angry about the most? Well, I get mad when people don't do what I want them to do. Okay, well, do you control that? No. Okay, so then I need to be okay with not being able to control other people's actions around me and being a little more gracious. That's a mindset, and we can definitely shape that once we define what we want it to be. Mm-hmm. I think when I was a young, younger Christian, I, I loved the verse like Mark 9.23 that says, Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to them that believe. Yeah. And, you know, when you don't do serious biblical hermeneutics because you read something in Scripture and you go, hey, I'm going to make that all about, I can do anything. <laughs> right. Get what I want. Yeah. You know, but there is something about having a mindset that says <laughs> the power that raised Jesus from the dead, the Holy Spirit is alive in us. Yes. Oh, I think my yes. mindset's pretty positive all of a sudden. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I, I don't think that verse means like you were, you were getting at. Right. Well, I, now I can do anything. Right. No. So I'm 48 years old. I want to play baseball for the Mariners. Make it happen. I'm going to start working on my fastball because I want to. Yeah. No, that's you know that's not what the Bible is talking about. You not anything is possible. I want to be a billionaire in two years. Well, that's going to be pretty tough, right? Well, yeah. That's not what the Bible is talking about. There. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm working on my second billion. Well, because they say the second billion is easier than the first, so I'm just going to work on the second. I. I will tell you from my experience, it's a lot harder. <laughs> All right, we're going to take a break. Dr. Andy Scudding is our guest, and we will, uh, we're going to continue to talk about mindset and mindfulness. If you've got a question or comment, you know that line's open just for you, 877-933-2484. Be right back. Faith Radio and Afternoons with Bill podcasts are available because of listener support. If you are a supporter, thank you so much. Becoming a supporter today by visiting myfaithradio.com. Dr. Andy Scudinga is my guest. We're talking about mindfulness and mindset. Andy, I'm I'm in Ephesians right now, chapter mm-hmm. four, and in verse twenty-three it says to be made new in the attitude of your minds, mm. and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. <laughs> so mindset's pretty important. Oh, it's Let, let's put on the, the new important. attitude, the new attitude in our minds. Yeah. Well, just just think about. So this is another piece of mindfulness training is waking up and starting your day with purpose. 
you know, asking the question, what am I doing today? What is my, what is my purpose today? And what is, what is my mindset for today? And I want to be real clear. This is something that I aspire to myself. Okay. I am, I am not the most mindful person in the world. Um, I don't wake up every day and be like, what am I going to get done today? Mm -hmm. That's not my mindset at all. That would drive me crazy. Mm -hmm. I know some people really love having that mindset and good for you. You have to have a mindset that kind of fits your personality too. But at the same time, waking up and saying, what is my purpose? Well, I'm here to serve God, right? I'm here to serve the Lord in my calling in my kingdom. Growing him, to know him. Yes. Yes. That's already a mindset. That's developing a daily mindset and being mindful of what your purpose is. That can have a huge impact. I mean, if you're just kind of floating around in life right now and thinking, I'm I'm kind of aimless right now, well, start talking to God about discovering what your purpose is every day and ask him, show me, show me my calling, show me my purpose. On the flip side, there are people who have had the same calling and purpose for 40 years, and they're maybe coming to the end of that. And your question is, what is my next calling and purpose? Because mm-hmm. I'm going to retire from my paid job. What am I going to do next? Mm-hmm. It's the same question. It's the same thought pattern in the morning. It's the same mindset. How can I serve the kingdom? How can I serve God? How can I grow closer to Jesus today? That's a mindset that we could all utilize and develop every day. We could sharpen that all the time. Oh yeah. And use each other to sharpen each other because that will help manage stress. You can cope better with any kind of adversity you have in your life. If you're suffering with a serious illness or maybe you're having difficulty breathing um, or whatever, it will help reduce anxiety, uh, loneliness, and depression. Yeah, just and if you're not feeling it, if you're like, "Oh, this doesn't, this isn't working," I don't, I'm not feeling the mindfulness. It doesn't take very much. You just, like I said earlier, just sit down in a chair. Don't lay down. Mindfulness can make you sleepy if you're not careful. So don't, don't ever do this laying down. But you sit in a chair, close your eyes, put your hands on your legs or on your armrest or whatever, and just. Breathe in slowly, breathe out slowly, and you start by being mindful and aware of your breathing. Just Mm -hmm. that. Yeah. And then once you get into a rhythm, then you start thinking about the thing you want to focus on. Now, this is harder for people with attention deficit issues. Um, If you have a quickly moving mind, this might be tougher, but you can can kind of build up some resistance to that by, by practicing this over and over again. And I know people who will meditate on particular verses. You know, mm-hmm. that have to do with like peace or that have to do with um, understanding or a psalm or a proverb or something like that. There's a lot of ways you can do this that fit who you are. Mm-hmm. And you think of a godly mindset, I'm, I'm, I'm drifting to one that would count others as more significant. And you would be looking out for the interests of others. Yeah. Um, pretty, pretty simple. That's yeah. kind of a godly mindset, isn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely. How do I care for the people around me more? Yeah. What can I do for my brothers and sisters? What can I do for the stranger? What can I do for the person on the road in front of me? I, that's like one of my most frequent examples because it's the one I'm trying to teach myself. <laughs> How to be more mindful while driving. I was doing a little research for the show and there's a whole section in this article I was reading about what to do when you're driving. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my goodness, I have to tell everybody listening. I don't, you know, I don't have everything together all the time. I get mad in the car. I have been working on this for years, and it's a mindset that I have to change when I get into the car to say, chill out. You can't control other people. Don't get angry because there's nothing you can do about it anyway. And that's, that's a tough one for me. So I get it when people are like, I, this stuff is kind of ridiculous. Well, it takes work. 
it takes repetition and it takes a goal and a mindset that you want to have to shoot for. And that's where the verse comes in where it's like, all things are possible through Christ Jesus, right? Because when I say, God, I want to do better at this, help me. He will help you Mm -hmm. as long as you put the work in too. Mm -hmm. Andy, in Romans 12, too, it says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Mm -hmm. So we live out God's will when we change our thoughts to God's thoughts rather than living as the world would dictate or would suggest or would say, this is how you should live. Yeah. And we have to pretty much stand in opposition to that. Absolutely. Most every day. And this is, okay, so now we're seeing the intersection between faith and psychology. Mm -hmm. Because let's be honest, most of the mindfulness practitioners and teachers and developers of this theory are not believers. Right. They're, They're secular. And so they believe in the goodness and power of humanity, right? And as Christian psychologists, we need to continue to beat the drum to say, this stuff actually is really good and it's really useful and it does come from God. It doesn't necessarily come from godly people, Mm -hmm. but we can take these principles and absolutely intersect them with our faith. And we can say, I have a mindfulness that's Christ-like, or at least I'm shooting for it. Yeah, And that's the difference between people who are believers in a God that provides us with a resurrection story and people who don't. And it's a big, big difference. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, Andy, Romans 8, 6, the mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God, but and it does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. No, it's the arrogance of man. It is. So the mindset is um, when you are governed by the spirit, that's life and peace. Mm-hmm. We have a friend who worked in finance in New York for one of the huge, very famous banks. And he was always struck by the mindset of colleagues. And he could always tell who believers were and who weren't. Because mm. the, the non-believers, their mindset was money, money, money. I'm going to make as much as I can so I can retire when I'm 45 and then be a consultant 10 hours a week and make twice as much money as I did before. And their mindset dictated their actions, which was being cutthroat, uncaring, and using other people's shoulders to climb up the ladder. I mean, it's just a just a rat raised doggy dog world, right? And then you have the believers who say, Yeah, my my job is to make more money, but what can I do with that? And who can we give it to? And how can we share it? And how can we spread wealth among people who don't have as much? And that mindset is very, very different. You're still have the same goal at work. You know, you're, you're trying to make money for your constituents. But the purpose of it in the end, it's very different between someone who's a believer and someone who is not. And that, that, that strikes me as a very interesting juxtaposition for someone who works in a place that might be very secular in its mindset. That can be really challenging. Mm-hmm. When, we're, when I was thinking about this, interview with you today, Andy, and, and talking about mindset, I was trying to think, what are some things that I could come up with? And I was, th- in ways in which I could I could build some stronger mental strength, stronger yeah. mindset. And I thought of, if I were to focus on one thing at a time, that usually is beneficial for me. Because <laughs> yeah. I start yeah. like three projects at once and I don't, I take forever to Get one out of three completed. Yes, I know exactly what you mean. And that doesn't help my mindset. No. And then if I am going to take time out to figure out, 
a workout, some exercise, that is going to help my mindset. And then when I say, I can't be afraid to reach out for help, I yeah. have to ask for help. Yeah. And I think the more I do that, the, the, the more strong, stronger my mindset is. I, I think you're exactly right. Yeah. Nothing wrong with asking for help. There isn't. There isn't. And if you know how to create natural boundaries, you know, you, you got your limits and you try to stick to them. Right. Uh, I think that's going to help your mindset too. Absolutely will. Yeah. It reduces your anxiety. Yeah. And we all, and again, we all have anxiety. Anxiety will never go away until Christ's kingdom is fully realized. There will always be anxiety, but we have lots of choices with what to do with it. Yeah. So I don't know what you need to do tonight. Maybe you need to get some time alone with the Lord. Maybe you need to say, Lord, these are some of my idols or... I am not realizing life as I'm living it because I'm always worried about the next thing and I've got 10 things on my list and I didn't get them done and now I can't think about anything but my list and I'm not going to sleep and you're not practicing <laughs> a mindfulness. Nope. Just if you have a meal tonight, enjoy it. If you can take a walk, go out and smell the air. If you can open your Bible or listen to a great hymn or some Christian music that you might like, just enjoy the moment and see if God doesn't tap you on the shoulder in the midst of that time you're spending with him. Amen. Amen. Andy, thanks for coming. You bet. And being part of the show today. That's our show for the day. Have a great night. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.